Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. everybody and welcome to Beneath the Surface, where faith and reason meet, where truth, life, and love are one. Paul Morano, your guest, your host, and as you can see, to my right is uh, our guest tonight, Mr. John Tudoris. John, welcome to Beneath the Surface. Good to be here. I think people might have caught me warming up a little, my, my chops oh. for the show. <laughs> Actually, I don't think so, but... Oh, great. Well, Yes. I was warming up my chops for the show. Me, me. All right. So tonight we are uh, on show number 10 of our series, The Creed Beneath the Surface. It's a special series that we're having. We're going over the entire creed, line by line, phrase by phrase, to speak about uh, the deeper meaning, or trying to get a better understanding of what they mean, each phrase of the creed. And this, we're doing the Nicene Creed, the creed that was, um, you know, settled in the early Christianity, beginning with the Council of Nicaea. And um, it battled, in a sense, it was a, an answer to a response to the heresy of Arianism who, that suggested that Jesus was not divine. And I think this is why it, that entire part of the, the Nicene Creed, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not, wing, not made consubstantial with the Father, all of that was added on to the, the older Apostles' Creed. If you notice in the Apostles' Creed, it doesn't have anything much about the divinity of Christ, whereas the Nicene Creed fills, fills that in. But right now on show number 10, we are going for the first time from the divinity of Christ to the humanity of Christ. And that's, it's, it's exciting that we're, we're delving into something different now because we began with we believe in one God, the Father Almighty. So we began with the first person of God, who's creator of heaven and earth. Then we went to the divinity of Christ, the second person of God. And now we begin the humanity of Christ. And, and the line for us to focus on tonight is, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Mm -hmm. That is our focus tonight. You ready to rock, John? And roll. All right. So let's look closely at that line. And there's probably four words that I would like to, I would like to um, just, just delve into with you if we could. Sure. Men, salvation, down, and heaven. Um, I've always been fascinated, as you know, because you, you've known me for years, with this notion of upness and downness. Oh, yes. Uh, with regard to religious things. Um, Let's hold off on that for a second. Sure. And this notion of for us men, let's just, uh, let's look at that for a second. 
very politically incorrect language, which means it's standard English for yes. us, for us men and for our salvation. What does the creed mean? What did the fathers of the church mean by the word men? Humanity. Well, and humanity also is sourced uh, from the fact that, uh, at least if we're going back to Genesis, that humanity is actually sourced from actually one man. And from mm. him, Eve was taken from his side. So it actually communicates the nature of man in, in many ways, mm. all encapsulated in three letters. It's actually pretty fascinating. So it relates to, it is the species if you want to get scientific, the species Homo sapiens, which is the human race, yes. which, in, which includes both sexes, all ethnicities, and all races. All the above. Um, none of which are more equal or better in dignity than any others. And that's the key. That's the key. There's differences, absolutely, but dignity is absolutely equal. Because as the church teaches that all of us the, 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 the whitest of, you know, Nordic European, the, the blackest of Southern African, the, the most Asian person on earth, um, you know, the Native American, every human being comes from that original stock of that original pair, regardless of how the original pair got here, God could have, you know, evolved us out of, you know, pre-existing matter for, you know, millions of years. Who knows what the divine plan is yet? We don't fully, obviously, we don't fully understand that. But once he created humanity, then all of us living on this earth today have a common ancestor, don't we? Yes, we do. Common, mm -hmm. common ancestor. And that, that would say is the case for uh, any created creature that we would dub species. So, so all members of a species are equal in their essence of being part of that species. Correct, correct. Okay. A, uh, a, whether it's asexual reproduction or uh, male and female reproduction, it doesn't matter. They all, they all communicate the same nature from yeah. generation to generation. Right, and that same nature has, has an equal dignity uh, applied to all Absolutely. individuals. We emphasize this at the beginning of the show because the show is being taped. Uh, amongst the, the cultural milieu that, that's occurring right now in the world today with regarding, um, you know, racism and, and um, all, all of that that's going on. Do you want to say anything more about that before uh, we just, go on? Just, you know, real briefly, uh, sort of a, I suppose, intellectual craziness comes to mind uh, in so much as that if you try and reconcile things in your mind about what's going on with what is mm -hmm. true, you, you're not going to be able to do that uh, because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not logically correct. Uh, I mean, it would probably could easily do a couple shows on just what's going on, but just with all the, the racial protests that are going on, uh, they, a lot of it is not rooted, a majority of it is not really rooted in a correct understanding of human nature and reality and mm. the, the essence of people. What's interesting about that, just, just to continue the sidebar for a second, is that Dr. Martin Luther King uh, particularly in his letter from the Birmingham jail, yes, um, expressed an understanding of human nature that came, you know, through uh, Augustine and through Aquinas, mm -hmm. uh, that um, that natural law um, must be in must be, must correspond to uh, civil law must correspond to natural law in order for it to be a just law. Yeah. And he understood the notion of natural law and that we all share in, in, in human dignity in an equal way. 
And he also um, understood that a nonviolent approach to any inequities uh, would produce the best results. And it is the most Christian because it is the, obviously um, it's, it is in, in um, congruent with human nature not to, not to be violent. Well, that's, that's it. I mean, yeah. the violence certainly does occur, um, but it's, but it's uh, taking things by force, doing things by force, uh, it, for the most part, violates people's free will. And free will is an essential characteristics of who we are. We are rational animals. Uh, if we were to boil it down to the classic philosophical definition, we are, we are creatures who think um, we have an immortal soul, or rather an incorruptible soul for, I suppose, going with the coyness, uh, immortality would happen at the uh, second coming uh, uh, when there's that full divinization of humanity. But, well, but the soul is immortal, even if the body isn't until... But yeah, there's, yeah, there's a uh, Joseph Pieper, he's a German yeah. philosopher, um, had a whole chapter in the book I was reading, it was, uh, have, said, um, uh, actually it was on the immortality of the soul. Right. So, um, but by nature, the spiritual component to the human person is um, is is immortal by nature. Although, um, yeah, he would say <clears throat> incorruptible in so much as the immortal coinus would reserve for God. Um, so it would be a characteristic. So incorruptible, yes, and that would correspond to uh, Aristotle that the soul itself was incorruptible because it has no matter. Yeah, and, and, and it's very reasonable. If, you know, if a spiritual substance does exist, which we believe it does, then it doesn't, right. it literally does not corrupt. It does not decompose. It does not, yes. it does not disintegrate like physical things do by their very right. nature. And so the spiritual component lives on. And of course, the physical component dies until the resurrection of the body, which we'll get into at the end of the creed, which I look forward to. But um, it's good to cover this notion of, you know, what man is, what humanity is in this, um, you know, the first three words here, for us men and for mm -hmm. our salvation. So it basically covers any individual that's a human being because, yes. because we are all persons with intellect and will, just like the angels are, just like God is, but we're bodily. Unlike, unlike the angels. Yeah, we're a spirit we're matter composite, what yeah. Aristotle would call a hylomorphic uh, reality. So for us men, male and female, and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Mm -hmm. um, now, the word salvation, it's, uh, it's bandied about for, gosh, all over the religious sphere. Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand what it means, and, and I don't blame them because there hasn't been always a, a wonderful uh, explanation and definition of the word. Salvation has to do with salvage, has to do with save. Right? Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. so, so for us human beings, and that we may be saved from what? Well, it, well, let's get back to the point of uh, the salvage parks. I thought that was a really good, crunchy word, salvage. Yes. And, and, uh, salvage. and I was, yes. as you were describing this, I was thinking, well, what's what's another key component of our humanity is our end, our telos. What is what is the purpose for what a human is created? In fact, all of humanity, and that is ultimately union with God, and the beatific so, vision. So there's something that broke that and then that salvage, that salvation is, is coming to basically repair what had been broken. Repair, the, yeah. 
the ability to travel that journey from our from our creation, actually from our conception, our creation, all the way to our natural end, uh, that that journey that ultimately, hopefully, brings us to what we are meant to be, and that is in union with God and with. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, you you bring up an interesting point here that I think needs to be fleshed out a little bit. All spe- species or all kinds of being have a an end to them mm-hmm. for what they are made. Yes. You know, what is what what is its ultimate fulfillment of its being? And um, you're saying for unlike all other creatures, for the human person, that is union with God. That is its yes. ul- that is its ultimate fulfillment. That is for which it is made. We are made. Correct. And we see that broken in the Adam and Eve story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the hope of the restoration of that in the, in the uh, resurrection of Jesus, who is the first fruits of that resurrection to whom we need to follow in order for that to be repaired. So you're saying in order to salvage our end, which is union with God, uh, in order for us to, bottom line is, for, for, in order for us to attain our happiness for which we were created, that's what the word salvage means. Or, or, uh, for in our this salvation. context, yes, and yes, indeed. Okay. I mean, we we owe. Oh, what's what's that little rhyming ditty? We owed a debt that we could not pay. Could not pay. Oh, what's the rest of it? And basically, basically, it, it was the finite man uh, offended. He he paid a debt we he did not owe for a debt that we could not pay yeah, something yeah, along those yeah. lines. It's, it's a little more poetic than that, but yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And that, it's really what the essence boils down to. We, uh, when you think about the offense against person. So if I, let's say I'm out in public and I accidentally bump into you, you and I would be more or less considered social equals and I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. No problem. No big deal. Now, let's say the the president of the United States, no matter who it is, let's uh, eliminate political parties and just think Mm -hmm. President of the United States, he's got his Secret Service entourage coming and I'm walking through a crowd and somehow I accidentally slip through Secret Service and I bump into the president. Well, you know what's going to happen is they're going to gang gang tackle me, pin me to the ground, pat me down, wonder what's going on. And again, it's it's not so much because, I mean, here we're thinking of uh, social stations here uh, mm-hmm. to build up on the analogy. Uh, and the reaction is more severe because uh, they have a job of protecting someone whose position is of a higher dignity than mine. And that's true. And it's okay right. to say that. It's okay to say the position is higher than yours, but it's not okay to say that he as a person has higher, uh, has uh, more Correct. dignity than you. Okay. Now, now think of the, the only necessary being, the one who is everything, the creator of the entire universe. Right. If there is an offense against that and God is infinite, no end to him, no beginning, man is finite by his nature, yep. if there is even the slightest offense, there is no capacity on his own for the finite man to repair that damage. Yeah, right. So then God had to come down from heaven to salvage our relationship with him because we can't salvage it on our own. It's impossible. Correct, correct. And so what ends up happening is now God, of course, uh, being God, we could say that he's all-powerful. He could have done it any number of ways. And yes, that is true. But then we could also say that 
that it's most fitting, and I, I believe I'm borrowing this from Aquinas here, that it would be most fitting for God to do it the way he did, uh, which is to take up that human nature, make it a part of him, um, so he's still divine in his essence, but then he takes on an additional nature, and then he takes that nature and then effectively uh, divinizes it. Now, and of course, when we say that, we have to be careful because we're not saying that at the moment he was conceived that the entire of humanity became God. It didn't happen like that at all. Uh, there, there's a, a major condition that comes with this. One is God's portion of it, which ultimately happened with the sacrifice of himself, his death, his resurrection to complete everything. Uh, so he basically claimed to die that we might live. And then the other portion is our response. What do we do with our own free will? Mm -hmm. So, of course, he does give us baptism. Baptism is that, that uh, fantastic sacrament which allows uh, grace. It's a material means by which the grace of God uh, comes into people and actually repairs original sin, the sin of Adam. So, time out. Are you saying yes. that... The grace that Christ won for us on the cross yes. is applied through the sacraments, first and foremost, through the sacrament of baptism. Uh, in many ways, yes. I mean, what was the uh, that uh, somewhat famous quote from Vatican II, that the, the Eucharist sure. is the source and summit the Eucharist of, is. Yeah. of the Christian life. So it's the source, so that all the sacraments, if Christ came to die that we might live, and the Eucharist really is that. It's, I mean, when you think about what happens in the Mass, not that we know it completely, but just the basic essence of it, um, that here we have this Paschal mystery um, where we have this whole passion of Christ, this unbloody sacrifice that happens. And that's why he came. And so now, but what allows that entrance in there that we might come to uh, be a part of this sacrament is baptism. Baptism is that introduction into the divine life. It's incredibly powerful. It's not the, the summit of it. Okay. It's not the summit of it, and it's not the source, but it is the gateway. But it is the entrance, yeah. Yes. It's interesting. So when we say, um, for us men and for our salvation, yes, the word salvation encompasses not only what God did in taking on a human nature and sacrificing himself so that the gates of the gates of heaven can be reopened. Mm -hmm. But it's but it also encompasses our response to that. Yes. You know, a lot of people will say, well, God loves us. God loves us all. Obviously, God is love. He's going to love us. But that doesn't get us to heaven. Right. <laughs> what, gets, what gets us to heaven is our yes, our response to his love. That's correct. Uh, you know, it, that's, you know, it's that's why we're persons we were given free will for that so then it's the work of god and our response to that god that enables us to attain what the creed the creed speaks about here salvation yes but, but it has to it has to begin with him coming down from heaven before we before i delve into that that uh, part of this phrase did you want to and did you want to say anything more there? Well, I just think that this, uh, some people, I, I think they almost implicitly have this idea of heaven as some sort of reward that's not necessarily union with God, but rather it's this place of bliss. And that uh, because our imaginations really have a, a hard time of imagining what that would be like with union with God. 
And so we, we tend to stop short at this, this place of bliss, of some type of happiness. Uh, and I think that's one reason why when some people say, how can an all-loving God keep people out of heaven? If he loves them so much, wouldn't he want them to have this reward? If he created his creation yeah, that well, they might does. be in heaven, why, mm. can't, why can't everyone get in there? And, and part of that has to do, I think, with the fact that being there in heaven is actually union with God. It's not some separate dimension from God. Sure. It yeah. is God. Yeah, I mean, in a I very mean, mysterious I, way that we can't fully understand in this life. I, I think the entire um, scripture speaks of this, uh, this notion of God proposing and mankind uh, either ex accepting or rejecting. That's, yes. You know, the whole the Bible is, is, is a covenant uh, between God and man. And our seven sacraments are expressions of that one covenant. But like a man and a bride who, once they make that covenant, they are in union with each other. And that union causes marital bliss. Yeah. Um, then you could say that that is an analogy of what is going to go on here. If you, as a member of the body of Christ, say yes to Christ, then as a member of the bride of Christ, you are married to him for all eternity. And that union, I think, which you speak of, is, is the cause of that ultimate happiness to which is our end. Yeah. Just if I could just speak about that end for a second, I think that that, that end um, is sort of in, unconscious within all of us. And I think we know it if we just sort of delve mm. beneath the surface a little bit. You know, why do we seek um, total happiness? Why do we seek total love? Why do we seek these things? And you know, mm. what? We, we never get them in this life. Nope. So, so there's something that, that, that goes beyond this life that enables that end to occur. And, you know, if you look at the arts, for example, um, all of the, many of the stories that we've loved from, you know, from the beginning of, of humanity really are, and they lived happily ever after stories. Mm. Um, where do you get that in this life? You really don't. This life is a struggle from beginning to end. Yeah. But, but that, that fullness of happiness that we all seek unconsciously, that fullness of love, that never ending joy that we don't find in this life, I think is a pretaste of what we lost in the fall and what we will gain tenfold uh, in this place that we call heaven, that oh, we, and, which you're talking about here. And tenfold, I think, yeah. is an under-exaggeration of how <laughs> right, right. it would be. Well, as you're describing that, I think it's just important real briefly to note that on, on that, there's a, uh, a pretty commonly held axiom within Christianity that there is this natural desire to see God. And this, this goes along with the line of what you're seeing. Even, and, if, we, and, even if we don't intellectually understand the correct. word God, it's there. It's because, there. Because we seek the fullness of truth and the fullness of love. And the, big, and the big intellectual conundrum was, why is that so? And there have been many people over the, the yeah. uh, centuries who've, who've tried to answer that um, and have come up short. But the closest one... Uh, that I'm aware of, and the one who I think has the best understanding of it is Aquinas. And he would say that the natural desire to see God, get this, is a desire of the intellect. Meaning meaning the, the intellect desires 
uh, we often think of the word desire as being incorporated within our passions, like this, oh, this right. yearning, I desire the blueberry pie. No, I mean, curiosity, right. curiosity is an intellectual desire. It, it is, yeah. it is, it is. And, if, um, and as an aside, that is best tempered by the, the virtue of studiousness um, to, to come to a more productive end. And prudence, yes. Uh, but uh, so this, this, so the intellect has this natural desire to know the causes of the effects that it sees. So you think of the little two-year-old, yes. natural philosopher, why is the sky blue? Why? Always asking the parents, why, 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 why? 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 And, and they are seeing all these things. Their senses interact with things. We begin life as philosophers. Yeah. All, all babies are philosophers. Yes, they are. Isn't that great? That is awesome. Yes. They're, they're asking these big wisdomy type questions. Uh, and it's, it's actually great. Uh, and but now ultimately it's not meant to end there that if you trace all the effects of the causes eventually you run out of material things because yeah, well, not everything right. that exists is material so and then, ultimately you come to that first cause that caused everything else to exist that first cause which is uncaused by anything else unmoved into existence by anything else the only necessary being all-powerful all-knowing omnipotent eternal that being we call God. So reason and logic leads us all the way to a point we, where we have to jump past the spatio-temporal reality that we're so familiar with. Spatio-temporal reality, that is a really good word. <laughs> so in other words, we need God, all of these secondary causes that we, we recognize are just that, secondary causes. You know, a lot of people, because of modern science, they say, you know, people before thought that, um, you know, uh, lightning was a was a, just just a, something of the God being angry at people, and it wasn't. You know, had, sci modern science proves that lightning has nothing to do with God. They're so wrong because God is the first cause. Mm -hmm. All things. If you go back to the first domino, yes, someone or something outside of the realm of the dominoes, something totally other must have put the dominoes there and pushed the first one, knowing exactly where everything would, would, would yeah. uh, fall into and, place. And I would just add just as a little uh, asterisk antidote to this whole point is uh, the, uh, the Big Bang Theory, which yes. is uh, more or less commonly held by uh, many with a, some degree or another of scientific acumen, was actually um, originated with a Belgian priest, Georges Lemaitre, his contemporary right. of Einstein, and Lemaitre himself was influenced by Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. And Thomas Aquinas had this idea that all of creation came about in one act, in one moment, all yeah. at once, just... Yeah, I mean, the Big Bang Theory is very, uh, you know, is in very much in accord with uh, a Christian understanding of creation. It is. But that's, that's for another show. Sure. So for us men and for our salvation, which we just yes. talked about, a lot about, which is very, very good stuff. Um, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Now, mm. who's, really quick, because we're, we're sort of took a lot of time building up sure. to this. Who is the he? He came down from heaven. Oh, he, second person of the Holy Trinity, the word, Jesus the Christ. Okay. So he, why is he a he? Oh, uh, why? Well, because history records him as a he, so that's how we know that. Well, uh, 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 yes. Also, God being uh, the masculine principle to humanity, um, mm -hmm. God, we, we, we refer to him in the, in the, uh, the masculine pronoun. 
um, he is lover, we are beloved. You know, he is he is groom, yes. we are we are bride. We are, we respond to his love, to his proposal, all of yes. that kind of stuff. He creates life uh, through us, um, etc. So for us men, for our salvation, he came down from heaven. This is what I want to focus on mostly here. Yes. What do we mean by down? Now, heaven. First of all. I, I want to cover with you, uh, with the time that we have, is heaven a place? If not, is it a state of mind? If not, what is the difference? Um, is it an and or? Uh, what do we mean by down? Tradition, traditionally, people have said that heaven is up, hell is down. Right. Uh, we understand through our, our modern science that um, you know, we know a little more about outer space than we used to know. Back in biblical mm -hmm. back, back in biblical times, we know a little more perhaps about how God, you know, the the, the form of God's universe, if you will, than ancient man did. Um, the downness of hell, uh, you know, it, it's difficult for us to understand that uh, as you know a place in the earth. The upness of heaven, a place in the sky. Um, even you know the traditional languages uh, have the word the sky for heaven or heavens with it with an s sort this all out for us why did he come down from heaven and, I, and i'll just say on the side that scripture itself speaks about heaven as being up yes and, and jesus is coming down and when he when he yes. ascent when he ascended back into heaven after his resurrection scripture speaks about him going up ascending and yet what is the what is the deal with this give me the skinny Sure. So it's uh, language that we use in relation to our sensory interaction with the material world used analogously to communicate uh, the loftiness or not of spiritual matters. But I have a little problem with that because I understand doing that back in a time where you, where you thought the world was flat and that uh, there was an up and down kind of thing with regard, sure. to with regard to heaven and hell. Now that we understand the universe a little differently, why don't we, why don't we sort of, if you will, graduate from that kind of language and speak closer, to, uh, use terminology that may be closer to our, our understanding of the truth? because our human nature doesn't change that I think that's the main reason why when you think about it even if even if someone uh let's say you take your uh someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson right astrophysicist pretty good at communicating stuff that he knows about uh the the physical universe uh and yet and yet for all his knowledge which would greatly exceed yours and mine um on matters such as that he is still a singular person on this earth who still I'm sure if he's going on uh, to a place he's never been before, we'll probably pop into his GPS, a, uh, I mean, pop into his GPS and address, and it'll take him north, south, east, west uh, on the direction finder to get him from point A to point B. Likewise, too, if he's going in a plane, let's say he's got to talk somewhere, he goes on a plane to point A to point B, and he goes on that plane, and you look at the little uh, video cam, uh, that uh, while you're on the plane, it shows you uh, how far you're along you're on the course. It also gives you the elevation, indicating that there is a distance that they are up in the air, a certain amount of height. Yeah, this is real spatial distance. This is real spatial distance. Yeah. So the idea that no, even though our knowledge collectively is advanced quite a bit, uh, as far as the spatial 
understanding of the world, the still core of that still exists. Our human nature hasn't changed. The core of what? Well, the core of direction. Direction doesn't well, change. Well, I, I understand, but are you saying that there's a spatial distance between heaven and earth? Ah, so that gets to the point of metaphor and analogy, which is important, and that doesn't change either. Because we can't know perfectly about God, but it does communicate certain aspects. And I, and I don't think those things have changed. But is there a spatial difference between heaven and earth? Uh, from, if we're talking heaven as in not the heavens, like the heavens that we see up in the sky no, I'm, at night. I'm not, I'm not talking about outer space. I'm talking about heaven and earth. As far as we understand, no, it's a different dimension. So then would you say that heaven, as we understand it religiously, and the heavens, as people look up to the sky, are different? Yes, they are different. Okay, so then when we speak of, when we speak of the heavens, we speak of a spatial difference, uh, distance. When we speak of heaven, we do not? Generally speaking, that's correct, yes. Well, then, think about it. Think about it. Spirit doesn't have matter. Right. So, so where, can, where, where is up, where is down? I mean, angels don't have matter. So if we're, if the angels are not interacting with us in the world, yeah. I mean, and they're over in their dimension. In then, then why does scripture speak about Christ coming down from heaven and ascending up to heaven? Yes. If, there, if there is no spatial distance, why didn't Christ just appear from heaven and disappear going back to heaven? That is a very good question. Uh, so I'll, if you don't mind, I will just do a quick quote from our good friend, Thomas Aquinas, and Let's this gets it. to the point of metaphor. Okay. It says, it can be said that although he, that although to ascend does not belong to the divine nature properly. So here we're talking about upness yes. and it does not, uh, it's not talking about the nature of God. Um, yet it can metaphorically. And so here he's saying metaphor is important. Because what we can know about God in this life is very, very imperfect. And mm. it's of necessity, of necessity for us to get to a better understanding, not complete, but a better understanding. We need to employ metaphor. Because we can't directly understand uh, the transcendent. Correct. Right? The, the spiritual, per se. Yes. Um, I mean, think about it, even the incarnation mm. itself. Yeah. I mean, humanity had not gotten ever to the point of conceptualizing the idea that the all everything divine would take on human flesh. Right. It's something that we accept now on faith. And by faith, I mean, mm. not a belief in something incredulous, but rather belief in something that we can trust on its authority. Mm. Um, and that is, you know, the data coming from God and the divine that there is this, that there is this incarnation. Uh, so would you say that heaven is the fullness of the presence of God? Um, and that when Christ comes down from heaven, you could say that Christ is coming from the fullness of the presence of God, which he is, mm -hmm. to the earth, to the earth. And this is why he could say, literally, the kingdom of God is at hand, because he is, he personifies that kingdom of God. He is the fullness of the presence of Christ. Mm. Yeah, he is. He is. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't have the exact quote here, uh, but when I was looking this up, it's a, uh, uh, yeah, actually, here's this one. It's from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, which Aquinas also comments on, uh, where he emptied himself. That, that phrase is empty. It's uh, mm -hmm. Philippians 2, uh, 1, 1, Philippians 2, 7. Uh, 
he emptied himself taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and so so this uh coming down descending to us is is uh and, and all these things again are, are analogous i mean when we say that god humbled himself it's not the same type of humility that we would could you say it's a descent of dignity yeah, well, I mean, he hides his glory, right? At the a, transfiguration, a, he reveals some of that glory. A descent of the fullness of being because God is fullness of being. Well, that's the thing is he still is the fullness of being itself, even while on the earth, even before his his passion, death, resurrection. Mm. But his glory was hidden. His meaning, here he is. This time. Think about this. I mean, at his conception, Angel Gabriel, uh, you know, says that uh, Mary responds yes let it be done to me according to the world the word uh, according to the word and then the holy spirit comes down descends on mary and she conceives yeah that's next oh. that, that's next show so we can't oh, get yeah. too much into that but just but just this idea that he the all-powerful god was not in essence um muted uh muted but okay. in appearance to us the glory yes his glory okay. was muted okay for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Yes. Uh, and he lived on the earth for 33 years. Yes. In, 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 uh, in, in a human nature similar to ours, but without sin. Oh, yes. And I do have that quote from Aquinas, too. Just okay. a couple. Right. See, uh, Why don't we have this as the last word? Sure. So for just as he said to be emptied, not by losing his fullness, but because he took our littleness upon himself. So likewise, he is said to have descended from heaven, not that he deserted heaven, but because he assumed human nature in unity of person. Yeah. So in the incarnation, heaven and earth united. Yeah. And in that union, is the promise that human nature is or can be all of human nature can be united to God as long as we as individuals say yes to him with our lives with yeah. our will with our wills and with our lives yes our entire persons fantastic last word we'll give it to Aquinas all right amen Mr. John Tudorus the man the myth the legends thank you for joining us today on Beneath the Surface Good to be here Paul Morano, if you want to, um, if you want to see this and all all of our other shows on Beneath the Surface, you can go to our YouTube page. Just uh, Google uh, Beneath the Surface with Paul Morano, or you can just go to my um, my uh, website itself, which is paulmorano.com. All one word, and that's Morano with a U. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I hope you got something out of this. Um, I always do when I do these shows. Thanks, John. Until next time, beneath the surface, ponder on. God bless. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.